In this episode of The Interface, I sit down with Ray Cummings, General Manager of Amphenol Commercial Air Division in Sydney, New York. Ray has been with Amphenol for over 20 years after time working for other aerospace manufacturers. We talk about his commercial air division, its mission, its products, and how it's evolving in the current market environment. We talk about being a part of the expanded commercial air group in Amphenol and the opportunity to increase collaboration with other divisions. We talk about the importance of having a great mentor to help guide you in your career. We talk about the challenge of raising pigs and how it tied into the business of Amphenol. And we discuss his Desert Island album, book, and movie. This is The Interface. You don't mind if I drink coffee during this? No. Can you hear me chewing gum? No, you're pretty silent. So I think we're pretty good. And you got your little, you know, your pee popper here. So it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be too bad. People really love to listen to chewing gum and drinking and and popping peas on on podcasts. So we're going to we're going to really uh, accentuate all this as we go. But thanks, Ray, for, for coming in and doing this. I, I haven't done a, a live face-to-face one of these in a long time, so it's always nice to to have that. You are the general manager of Amphenol Commercial Air Division uh, based here out of Sydney, New York. So we'll just start off with the obvious. Tell us what Amphenol Commercial Air Division is and what you do and specialize in. We're a division that was broken out of Amphenol Aerospace in 2008 and predominantly to focus on commercial air customers and um, engine customers. So we design, develop new products for commercial aerospace applications. Uh, We also have some products that go into the military market, but our whole purpose for being is to support customers like Boeing. Airbus and, and basically the, the commercial air market in general. So when you're talking about the, the products that you then design and manufacture, what, what types of products are we talking about? Uh, we do a little bit of everything, mostly cylindrical harsh environment connectors. Um, but we could do a rectangular power connector, for example. We've done some of those for Boeing and for some other customers. We do some cable assemblies that are legacy type products. Um, but basically, you know, it, I would say it focuses on cylindrical and, and really harsh environment application-specific products. This was, as you said, uh, this is this started in essence as an offshoot from just Amphenol Aerospace back in, in 2008. What was it that led to that breaking free at that time? Because I know you were part of it, and actually so was I. It was all about focus. Yeah. It was uh, the... Market was changing in the sense that customers were developing new new platforms, and uh, the market was changing in terms of customer service and really a lot of need for hands-on attention. And breaking us out gave us the ability to give them that focus. What were one or two of the early things or the early wins that you had for projects that you thought, okay, this is why we formed this group? I would say the Boeing 787. Uh, Boeing had a number of uh, interesting challenges. Uh, Some weren't big. Others were fairly good-sized. Dual lock, I think, is a great example of a a connector that we developed especially for Boeing. They were looking for a high-vibration, lightweight connector, and um, we were able to give them a solution that meets their needs. And they've since proliferated it onto other platforms. Um, that's probably the one I'm the most proud of. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of early mornings and late nights and uh, 
a lot of pressure, but it was uh, really a fun project. It's funny for me because I'm asking all these questions <laughs> and I I know all of this sure, <laughs> already because I was kind of your right-hand man through all this. Yeah, I um, was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah and, and it's something that from my product management days, that's probably, if I could talk about highlights, that would be right up there at the top probably is is going through some of those proposals and working on them for hours and hours at a time, you know, with Brendan Baldwin and the engineering team. Yeah. That was, was a tremendous amount of work, and I know it was, you know, even more so for you, but incredibly rewarding and satisfying. It was almost like, this is why we do this. Yeah, I was thinking a little bit about it, and it's the excitement. Um, there's a lot of stress, but there's also a lot of excitement. Yeah. A lot of excitement knowing that... Um, you know, that there's milestones to meet and there's a lot of pressure behind medium and, and, you know, the deadlines are important. And just getting the product on the airplane and flying an airplane is just, it's a pretty neat sensation. What attracts you to the commercial air industry as a whole? I mean, I know you're you're part of it, but to me it was always, it's just so neat to be able to go and, and to these factories and see how these things are built and get get to climb around on there. Was it, Is it the same way for you when you work with these customers and work on these programs over the years? Yeah, it is. And I think from an aviation standpoint, it's hard for us to be able to appreciate our own products sometimes. And um, in the commercial aerospace market in particular, I fly on the airplanes that use my products. Mm -hmm. You know, I sit next to the person in an airplane seat who's watching the movie on the screen that um, has my power connector, you know, on the bottom of the seat or... You know, that, that kind of thing. It's a little embarrassing when their cords, you know, come unplugged and, and that. But it's still, it's 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 pretty, I, it's more personal to me. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And, and I feel the same way every time that I'm on an aircraft. Or even when, like, my kids over the years would ask me, like, what do you do? I don't even know what you do. What do you, right. what's your company do? And we'd be on an airplane. Well, think about if all these, you know, walls were out of an airplane. You'd see cables everywhere. We're the ones who connect all that stuff, right. and they were still bored. But anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> you know, I know I've, I've flown in the past with colleagues, and I'm sure I bore them to death, but I'll be sitting on the airplane. I'll say, you know, on this airplane, we have this connector and this connector on the engine. And, you know, if you look at the back of that airplane seat, we have this connector and that connector. And over your head, you know, for the lighting, we have that connector and that connector. And, oh, by the way, on the landing gear, and I'm sure yeah. I drive them nuts, but that's just what makes me tick. It's the same when we go to air shows, too, and we're right. lucky enough to go to air shows, and you get an opportunity to tour around some of the, the aircraft that they have displayed. And, yeah, you're like a kid in a candy store, in a sense, where it's right. just like you're almost getting kicked out, like, hey, oh, you can't go in there. I'm like, yeah, but my connectors are right there. <laughs> and they're like, get out of here, you know? I, I love that part. And that's still, again, not to not to interject my personal thoughts on this, but just because you and I have been aligned for a long time, that was always the part where it made it real to me once you saw this and once you got to experience what your work actually helped do. That was that was incredibly rewarding. Yeah, so, yeah. I agree. I really do. You didn't start at Amphenol. Where did you start uh, after college? I spent 11 years at Goodrich mm-hmm. and um, was working for an operation that did accessories for aircraft engines. Mm-hmm. So wiring harnesses, ignition systems, uh, PMAs. Um, I actually started there as a floor expediter. Um, I moved into contracts administration, um, 
applications engineering, business development. And then uh, when I left, I was a program manager on the engine that goes on the F-22. So in a sense, you, I guess you did kind of start in, in at least aerospace, military, oh, yeah, yeah. commercial. Engines, definitely yeah. engines. So you spent a good amount of time at Goodrich, which is local here, um, not Correct. too far away, um, and part of Unison now. Yes. Yeah. Yep. How did you get to Amphenol? Well, after Goodrich, I went to work for Grimes Aerospace in Bristol, Connecticut as a, as a program manager. They are now part of Honeywell, but I was there for about a year. I still had a house in upstate New York, mm-hmm. um, and I had a number of friends who actually came to work for Amphenol, and there was an opening for a product manager, product marketing manager for the engine connector product line, mm-hmm. the Pile National products, and um, my friends thought I would be a good fit, and I kind of knew the management here at the time. They kind of knew who I was, and um, it just one thing led to another. Once you got here from Goodrich, how different was Amphenol Aerospace at the time to, well, to Goodrich? It was, you know, I look back on that and it was really pretty cool. It was, uh, I was used to having two or three big customers and you dealt with those two or three big customers every day, all day long. When I came to Amphenol, I think on my first day, I probably spoke with three new customers every hour. Wow. And yeah. it just, you know, the, the breadth of the product and the breadth of the customer base and um, the pace was quite a bit different. You know, it, it just was, I would say it's the best career decision I've ever made in my life. Mm. It, uh, I, I have absolutely no regrets. I look back on it and um, it just the energy, I think there's just a constant energy and it feels like a constant hum. And um, it's been that way since I started and it's just great. You're never bored. There's, I've never worked here for a day where I'm like, I got nothing to do today. There's always something to do, and there's always a problem to solve, and there's always an issue to deal with, good, bad, or otherwise. Yeah, I think the other thing that was neat for me was the ability to get involved. Yeah. It wasn't, um, it wasn't an atmosphere where, you know, you had to wait for somebody to tell you to get involved. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to get involved, you got involved. I mean... Being a product manager, you can get as deep into the product as you want to. I mean, call meetings, get people together, say we need this cost reduction, hey, a customer needs this new product. You know, is you can take it as far as, as you want to take it. As you started here at Amphenol and started to learn the business, who were some of your mentors that helped make that progression smoother as you, as you went along? I've always said that the reason I'm here is Rick Aiken. Okay. Um, I think about Rick quite a lot. And um, I actually, I remember when I interviewed, it was a really strange interview process for me. Um, I think I interviewed with five people. And the first four people, I probably couldn't get a word in edgewise. You know, it was a strange interview for me. And, you know, I was was a little tentative, right? It was a pretty big move. And, um, but when I interviewed with Rick, the first thing he did was break out a strategic plan and start talking about, you know, his vision for the business and where the business was headed and talking about programs and customers. And he just had so much enthusiasm and so much energy. It was, you know, I would say he was, he was one of my early mentors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just been so many. I, I just, it's hard for me to name names at this point, uh, but yeah. Rick really sticks in, in my mind as, as being a person who, you know, I, 
I, I went to Rick for guidance, you know, throughout my career and throughout his career here when, you know, when our times overlapped. Yeah. And uh, he's just a super easy person to talk to. No question. And sorely missed for sure. The longtime general manager here at Amphenol Aerospace, for those who might not know, you always impressed uh, me since basically the day I started here with your level of product knowledge. I always thought that you had a tremendously high uh, knowledge of the products and the intricacies of the products and how they were made and and how it all worked together for someone who wasn't an engineer. Right. I was always like, shocked and amazed at how good you were at doing that. How, how did that, was that just an, a natural curiosity that you had or you thought it was inherent to you being successful in your role or both? Well, I... I I, I think I have a mechanical aptitude. I, at one point, I did want to be an engineer, and I, you know, I took quite a few um, early courses. But um, I just have a genuine interest. You know, I just was. It wasn't as much a curiosity for me as it was just an interest in, in wanting to understand it. And I found it. You know, I found it satisfying. To and that was actually one of the first things I did. One of the first things I did when I came was. Um, you know, I saw a bunch of part numbers, and I, uh, I talked to, I spent some time with Norm Anderson, who was an engineer, old-time engineer who came from Pile National with the product line, mm-hmm. which was the majority of our engine connectors at the time. And um, I just spent a lot of time with Norm asking questions and understanding the history, and, and he was a very patient, very patient person, so he, you know, he tolerated my crazy questions, my off-the-wall questions, and and um, it just, uh, one thing led to another. I remember being in meetings with you early in my career, and I'd hear a couple things that you would say about the products, and I'd, like, make a little note, and then I would repeat that probably 50 times. You probably don't know this, but, uh, I, 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 oh, I know something. I have this little nugget of information because I heard Ray say it, so I would then use it to sound at least what I thought was smart all the time with our salespeople and inside people. I hope it was good information. It seemed to work out pretty well. So, uh, or I just faked it and, and people just believed me because uh, I was the quote unquote product manager at the time. Right. Um, but you you also worked in the military side. So you worked up yep. slowly and, and not slowly, but quickly and became a marketing manager and then uh, marketing director when the commercial air group started. Along that time, what were some of the biggest challenges for you just from the business was, I, I'm assuming the flood was always a fun one and, and all that, but what were some of the challenging times that you had to work through um, as your career progressed here? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, the current situation in the commercial air market, I think this is the third one of these I've been through. Mm-hmm. We obviously went through um, a number of these downturns in the past. This one's a little more relevant to me because we're so focused on the commercial air market, but, you know, just introducing new products we've done i think we've we've gone from introducing a number of derivative products to really introducing a number of new products and the development programs are more challenging mm-hmm. um i think customers have gotten more more challenging too in terms of you know the basic things on time delivery quality which i think we've always had a fairly good reputation for yeah i would say the number of new product development programs that are more complicated than they were when I started. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the thing that's evolved the most for me. 
yeah, you're in a down cycle in a valley, so to speak, right now when it comes to the commercial air market. Um, I think you're probably right. History has shown that this goes in peaks sure. and valleys, and so at some point it'll be back. It will be back up. But we also have maybe some emerging markets as well, like urban air mobility mm-hmm. and all that. So I, I know you and the the rest of the the commercial air team, the commercial air group within uh, Amphenol, led by Eric Rushbrooker, looking at some of those new opportunities as well. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It took me a while to look at that technology and to, to really understand and, and to ask myself whether or not I thought it was viable. But the more I think about it, the more I think about it being a really true complementary market to the markets we have now. Yeah. The ability to, you know, hop from one city to the other or to hop from inner city to airport or um, the types of things you can do with those platforms. So I'm really seeing the potential there. I, I, think, it's, I think it's really going to be a good market for us in the future. I just briefly mentioned the commercial air group. So your division is now part of um, a just the commercial air group within the AMAO family. That's right. Um, led by Eric Rushbrook. So there's uh, your division. There's uh, Aerol B France. Um, there is, let's see if I can get all these, Amphenol PCD. There's Positronic. Um, Amphenol Canada. Yep. Ionics Systems uh, out of Cefe. the UK. Cefe out of France. How do you? What's your initial feelings? I mean, it's really not kicking off for a little bit, but I'm sure it's already starting to formulate some plans. How does it feel to be a little bit more of a cohesive group now coming up over the next few years? Well, actually, for me, it um, it isn't a big change for me. I was my business was aligned in reporting to Eric when AMA was formed. Mm-hmm. So um, this is an expansion of the group. I I, I think it. One of the things that I can I can definitely say is it's allowed us to do is to focus more with each other and to work more collaboratively. Mm-hmm. We've been working with um, ARLB as part of you know alignment with Eric and Eric's group for um, about two years now I would say, and it's it's just the the openness and the communication, the ability to help each other, the ability to use relationships and to leverage relationships, and I think that's only going to increase. Um, I'm real excited to understand what the other operations do from a product standpoint and to see how we can work together and collaborate. Um, I think there's just tremendous amount of opportunity for us to, to continue to grow. And I'm sure when the market comes back, the us coming into the market as the market comes back as a group, it's just going to lead to exponential opportunity. Yeah, it's certainly not an if, it's just a when. It's and, just a and, when. And you're just trying to catch that at the at the right time. And now aligning yourself in that valley it should only make the peak hopefully much more right. uh, you know, beneficial and bountiful, I guess. Right. Maybe that's the word I was looking for. You know, and I think we can help each other. And, yeah. I, you know, there's been a lot of examples where we have helped each other, and it, it's rewarding. It feels good. It, uh, it's it's kind of neat when you go home and you helped a colleague or a colleague. You know, you're able to ask a colleague for help. Right, the old one plus one equals three yeah. mentality for it. Yeah, sure. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. I'm sure you think that way. <laughs> I'm sure Eric does. I'm sure Luke does. I'm sure Adam does. That, you know, we'd love to see that commercial air market sure. uh, rebound because, you know, it's affecting everybody. But I'm, I'm sure it will at some point. It will. We're starting to actually see, we're, we're starting to see signs of it now. So when you're not running the commercial air division here in Sydney, New York, what do you like to do when you're not working? I'm a homebody. I, uh, I have the opportunity of the company to travel all over the world and see bunches of things. So um, when I, to me, downtime is being able to stay home with my, my family and, 
I have a little bit of land. Um, I like to uh, I like to to do things outside. Yeah. I have uh, two grandchildren now who, who keep me busy with, with sports and activities, and it's uh, you know I'm always working in the garden or working outside or you know property improvements that kind of thing. I just I find it to be great stress relief. Can we talk about when you used to have pigs? <laughs> sure, we can do that. <laughs> so tell us about the pigs, because I kind of missed them, and I never caught you, so I could get some free meat. Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, my wife has a number of siblings, yeah, and we kind of live on a a family compound. Mm-hmm. So I I live next to all my my in laws. Nobody can see each other, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. So one of my brother in laws, actually two of my brother in laws, decided it would be nice if we raised pork. Mm-hmm. We decided to do it one year. Yeah. So we got four little piglets and, you know, we raised them and we went through the whole process and, and it was, uh, it was quite a learning experience. Yeah. So, um, I bought, you know, all kinds of things that drove my wife, wife my wife crazy. Um, you know, like supplies and all kinds of things. <laughs> and she thought I was nuts. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty cool. It was, it was a good way to spend time with my brother and my brother-in-laws and, um, and uh, just to go through the whole process, and you know, it's it's, car, it's it it's kind of part of who I am, I guess. Was it worth it? I mean, no. it sounds like you haven't continued <laughs> it, so it wasn't worth it. I mean, it, it probably was from a, uh, just a spirit standpoint, but the work to, that goes into it to you know what at the end product. You know, from an ex- yeah. from an experience standpoint, and uh, you know, I kind of went through a lot of that growing up as a kid too. Okay. As far as a wholesome experience, I think it was pretty cool. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's that it, I'm going to tie it back to business here really quick. Oh, good. And, I like that. Um, uh, there's two things. One of the reasons why I quit doing it was because the end of the process always happens in November around budget time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there a was really man through and through. Right, yeah. So there was really a, a, a really a, quite a bit of, you know, uh, conflict of, of time and schedule, right? Yeah. Um, the other business-related thing, I remember years ago, um, they had dinner with Bill Bacon uh, from Boeing. We were sitting down talking to dinner, and we're talking about interests. And I yeah. started talking about that with Bill. Yeah. Well, it turns out Bill had an agricultural upbringing. Well, he's named Bacon. <laughs> it's right there. I, I should have. You, you I put it up on a tee for me. I should have yeah. seen that. But. Yeah. But he had an agricultural background, yeah. and um, he was fascinated by you know what I was doing, and I was fascinated by his background, and I think it really helped us build a. It, it sounds strange that something like this would help me build a relationship with a customer, but um, I would say after that dinner, you know, it was we really got to know each other, and I could always call Bill and ask him, you know, you know questions, and and he was always very open with me, and. And I always tried to help Bill out, and it was it, it helped me build a business relationship, which I know is way off the beaten path. But no, I don't think it is at all, and I think it's actually the timing is appropriate because you know we're still dealing with this pandemic, and one of the things that has clearly been missing, I think, in business, not only just internally but with our customers too, is the ability to do exactly that. Right, have a dinner with someone, make them laugh; they make you laugh. Yep. You don't get to do that with the same level and the same uh, excitement on a Zoom call as you do when you're just face-to-face with someone. And there's a tremendous amount of value in being able to do that. When you're not, I think you suffer. When you do, you just are rewarded in more ways than just getting an order. Um, I hope we get back to that sooner as well. I hope so too. 
is is I mean, there's a lot of benefits to Zoom calls, and I can see myself continuing to use them. Sure. You know, the days of the conference call are gone, but yeah. it seems like every time you're on a Zoom call, everybody's anxious to get off the Zoom call. Right, and you they're know, doing other things. Sure, yeah. there's a clock and a schedule. You go out to dinner with somebody, and there's no clock, no schedule, really. Right. And you could end up talking about whatever for hours, and there's just not the time constraint. There's countless stories, whether it's salespeople, business development people, product management people, where they just became friendly with a guy over a softball league oh, or, sure. you know, an interest in baseball cards or processing pork or whatever it may be that right. led to a a long-term, very fruitful relationship from a financial standpoint for Amphenol. Yep. I mean, that's the whole point. We'll start to wrap this up. Sure. So I now put you on a desert island, okay? It is not on the family compound. This is re a real-life <laughs> desert island, okay? And I say, you can bring with you one album, one book, and one movie. We'll start with the album. What album would you bring? Uh, Dave Matthews' Crash, I think. Okay. So we'll go with Dave Matthews. Yeah. Any reason in particular? Does it just feel island-worthy? No, actually, it's it's just, I don't know. I, I uh, When I was, I told you earlier, I was, part of my career was working at Grimes in Connecticut. And I yeah. Was, I was contemplating a move there, obviously, and, and um, I was coming home weekends. And that album had just come out, and um, I used to listen to it on my car on the way home. Yeah. And, you know, I guess maybe it's a homecoming kind of thing for me. I'm not okay. sure. No, I get it. It's got a personal connection. Yeah. How about a book? I would say James Michener's Chesapeake. Um, I know that one's kind of far out there, but um, it's always been kind of a uh, stress-relieving book for me. It's got... I don't know if you've ever read James Michener, but he's kind of I know of him, a, but I have never read his books. Kind yeah. of a fictional historian, yeah. but a uh, number of plots and stories going out at the same time. And it's, I don't know, I pick it up every, every couple of years and read it. It's just one of those books. Okay. How about a movie? Movie's tough. Movie's really tough. Yeah. I've probably seen The Godfather more than any other movie in my life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one movie that I always... That I always enjoy too is uh, John Wayne's Quiet Man. It's I know that's kind of out there for you probably. No, that's but, good. I like it. Yeah. yeah. I just there's something about the movie. I watch it. You know, obviously every St. Patrick's Day time you end up watching it. But yeah. um, I've watched it a number of times. Other than that, three interesting choices: yeah. Dave Matthews, James Michener, and the Duke. <laughs> <laughs> John yeah. Wayne. Well, listen, Ray. Uh, I, I asked you about mentors before. I'd be remiss if I didn't say in my career here, you have been my number one mentor. You may or may not know that, but I learned more from you over my years working for you than I've learned from anyone else in here. And, uh, you know, I thank you for that. Thank you, Chris. That means a lot to me. That's it. Thanks. Thanks.